have your Bibles, if you would go to 2 Kings, chapter number 6. 2 Kings, chapter number 6. Let me, let me just, let me just, this has nothing to do with my message. You know, the Bible teaches there's such a phrase called excommunication. Ever hear that? Maybe from the Catholic friends. Ever hear excommunication? Excommunion. No longer in communion. You get kicked out of communion. The Bible has that in the church as a form of discipline. Not behaving, um, not repenting, excommunicated. The reason is they're put out so that the enemy can have his way to wake them up, bring them back. It's in your Bible. Most of you know that. You've got knowledgeable people here. When a person purposely chooses to make God's house number eight on their priority scale. They personally excommute themselves in their family. They take themselves out of that place that God has ordained as the haven of protection and edification and enrichment, and they actually put themselves into that place. That's why it's important. That's why it's important not just to say, I believe, that's good. We all know devils believe, don't they? The Bible teaches us they got some better doctrine than some liberal preachers in this day. But it's so important that God's house becomes a commitment and a consistency because this is where the grace and the nutrition and the safety is. And when we do that, we have to communicate ourselves and we put ourselves outside that place. House of God's house of God's very important. It's kind of one generation loved it. The next generation, they're too busy. But the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear. And I said that because my heart was gripped by the Spirit, that someone's in danger. All right? That's the word of, you know. And it helps when you prophesy in the church to become awesome, to be in line with what God speaks to you week by week, to be in sync with what's happening. Graphic, not overly graphic. Kid stays outside long enough, he'll meet an unbeliever. Outside of that place of protection. You see, they stay outside long enough, they start drinking again. They need to be somewhere where their faith would have got stirred. Instead of out there getting worn down little by little, and before you know it, the weakness comes. So, so, so we have to remember that. It's, that that's the word of the Lord. 2 Kings 6. Let's get back to the word here. 2 Kings 6. Before we read from our text, let's read two background verses, if you would. 2 Chronicles 32, 7 and 8. 2 Chronicles 32, 7 and 8. Two background verses. Hallelujah. And folks, let me tell you something. We rejoice in God's house, but at times the Spirit wants a sober people and a searching of the heart, Okay. Normally, we're here to be built up, yes, but don't equate. All right? Some of you get nervous if things get a little. God might want us to search. God might want us to take some time and think about some things. Amen? When, when the house comes crashing down, we come running, crying. Where's the counselor? Help me, help me. It didn't crash overnight. 
Let a man examine himself. It is a time to search our hearts. All right, a couple background verses before we get to our text. Second Chronicles 32, 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. There's more with us. Isn't that good? There's more with us. All right. Now, 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. The Apostle Paul writes, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, if you would, 2 Kings Chapter 6, beginning with verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After he conferred with his officers, he said, I'll set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware. Somebody say beware. You better beware. Beware passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram, you can imagine. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Who's the traitor? None, my lord, none, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Good to have a prophet on your side, isn't it? Amen. The king said, go and find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he's in Dothan. They sent horses and chariots and a strong force there They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And here's the prophet's answer. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha the prophet prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And we'll stop right there. We want to talk this morning little message entitled, When You're Surrounded. When you're surrounded. When you don't know what to do, but you know you got to do something. When you're surrounded. Here the prophet of God is surrounded. He's encircled. He's hemmed in by the enemy. He's in a no way out situation. But he teaches us through this story. He teaches his young servant and us as well. Three important things to remember 
things that should encourage our faith um, when, when, when it seems like we're surrounded, when it seems like there is no answer. Again, when you don't know what to do, but you know you've got to do something. And so our outline very simply this morning will be three things to remember. Remember heaven's grace. Remember heaven's perspective. And remember heaven's prayer. Hallelujah. The prophet of God. Remember heaven's grace. We see in verses 8 through 10 how God's warnings and God's cautions and God's um, his, his heavenly protection was upon His people. Heaven's grace. I thank God for heaven's grace. How many times have you and I benefited from the warnings and the cautions and the protections of the Lord? Where would we be? How many times have we escaped the devil's ambush or his, um, his, we've avoided his attacks that wanted to disrupt us or take us out because we listened to God's warnings. We, um, we were alerted by God's Spirit. We were enlightened by God's Word. We were quickened by God's Spirit to resist and reject that which was trying to lure us in. I thank the Lord this morning that He still makes a way of escape for His people. He still knows how to get us out of trouble and keep us from the snare of that fowler. I mean, if we could just pause for a moment this morning and think about how many great escapes, how many close calls God has given us, just the ones we've been alerted to and the ones we've been aware of. We could probably start a testimony service just looking back and seeing how the hand of the Lord has kept us and shielded us and He has delivered us. Oh, how God has brought us a mighty, mighty long way through many dangers, toils, and snares. We have already come. And we're thankful this morning as we remember heaven's grace, the continual care of our Father watching over us, keeping care of us, saving us and shielding us and redirecting us when the time comes. The continual care of the Father. We remember heaven's grace for a God that continually watches us a God who completely surrounds us and a God who daily directs us and guides us and keeps us on that firm path. We thank God this morning because we're sons and daughters of a good heavenly Father that we have peace in a turbulent time and we have consistent protection in a dangerous world. We are a people that have a, a confidence and a, a certainty in a confused and chaotic age. We are those that can remember heaven's grace and like the prophet, there's the word of warning and the word of caution and there's the eye of God upon us to keep us from the enemy that would try to slay us and derail us and frustrate our faith. Oh God, give us an ear to hear and a heart that's receptive to hear the compassionate warnings from heaven that we might be led of the Lord and not slip down that slippery path of the one that wants to devour and destroy. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Continually watching over us. I love how the psalmist writes in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord 
the Maker of heaven and earth. And then the psalmist goes on to say, this God never sleeps and He never slumbers. He keeps our feet from slipping. And then these two beautiful verses, I want you to write them down and make them your own. Psalm 121, verses 7 and 8. Look what the psalmist writes. The Lord will keep you from all harm. That's good to write your name in there. That's good to make that a personal promise. The Lord will keep you from all harm, and He will watch over your life. God says, I'll watch over your life. God says, I'll be a shield bound your life. God says, I'll speak to you, and I'll lead you by my Spirit. I'll whisper in your ear if you'll listen. This is the way. Walk you in it, or get off that path, and turn around. It's not good for you. The Lord will keep you from all harm, and He will watch over your life. Look at that next verse. It's so beautiful. The Lord will watch over your coming, your going, both now and forevermore. The continual care of a loving Heavenly Father. Remember Heaven's grace when it feels like you're surrounded. You don't know which way is out. It seems like everything you try fails. Don't you be afraid. The one that's eye is always on you. He wasn't surprised by it. He's not at his wit's end. He's got a plan. He's got a power. And He's got a purpose with your name on it. And He that began a good work in you, He's going to bring it to fruition. Remember heaven's grace. How many times have we benefited from God's protection, warnings, and cautions? Oh, the continual care of our Father. The prophet would warn them. The Word of the Lord would caution them. The enemy wanted to destroy them. The enemy wants to destroy you. He plays for keeps, doesn't he? First Peter says, your enemy, the devil. You've got an enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. That means to swallow up. But God said, I'll watch over you continually. And if you'll give heed to my voice, I'll speak to you and I'll guide you. And if you'll stay filled and sensitive to my spirit, I'll direct you and I'll warn you and I'll keep you. Hallelujah. We are a blessed people. We are we who have received this great salvation. And one of the wonderful privileges we have, the benefits we have, are the warnings, the cautions, and the continual care and protection of our God. That's why you and I are not to be moved by this life's situations and challenges like those that don't know God. The child of God is made out of better stuff. The child of God possesses greater promises. The child of God has a sure hope that they stand on and that they look forward to. I'll never forget a friend of mine. He went to visit one of his uh, older folks in, in the hospital. And he, he knew the doctor and they knew each other by name. And the, the doctor said, hey, Bob, you here to see Mrs. So-and-so? Yeah, I'm going to pray for her. He says, you know, if she was any other woman, she would have died weeks ago. And he stopped. He says, I tapped the doctor. 
on a stethoscope there. I said, hell, that's the way you just said it, Doc. She's not just some any other woman. She's a child of God. They can stand a little longer. They can sing a little louder. They can believe a little stronger. They're not made of what the world's made of. They have a hope in heaven. They've got a power within. And there are people that are kept by the Lord their God. They're not like any other person. They're sons and daughters of the living God who have the Spirit of Jesus within them and the eye of the Father upon them. And they're given strength to go through the fiery trial of life, knowing that He that began us on this way said, I'll never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. Oh, what a privilege it is to be sons and daughters of the living God, knowing, remembering heaven's grace, the continual care, the complete encircling and shielding and the daily guiding of the Lord our God. Elisha warned. I've been saved out of a lot of close calls. I don't know about you. Oh, my goodness. I mean, even in the time serving God, forget when I was doing my own thing. My Lord, I look back then, how I ever made it, I don't know. Grace of God, that's all it was. Upon an old sinner, they didn't want to hear nothing. Amen? Oh, Lord. But even since I've been walking with God, how He's bailed me, how He's saved me. Amen? Mm, mm. Hallelujah. Elisha warned again and again. The word, the word cautioned. And the heavenly Father protected. Elisha warned. But the king. Somebody say, but the king. But the king had to respond. This is the responsibility of man. This is our second thought here under heaven's grace. Let's look at that next slide. The responsibility of man. Now remember heaven's warning. Be thankful that we have a heavenly Father that watches over our going and our coming, that never sleeps or slumbers, that guides us with His eye, that speaks to us in the Spirit. But the warnings and the cautions of the Lord can be heeded or they can be ignored. They can be rejected or they can be responded to. For example, most people are familiar. Genesis 17, Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel came and visited Lot, and he warned Lot, and he directed Lot. He said, judgment's coming, so quick, 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 get your wife, and get your family, and anyone who belongs with you, and get out, get out, get out of the city. Now, the Bible says, Lot went to his two sons-in-laws, and they thought he was joking possibly laughed, certainly made light at the warnings of the Lord. They rejected the call of God's mercy to spare them, to keep them from the judgment that was coming. And the very next day, the Bible says, you know the story, judgment fell. What happened, Pastor? Well, the unspiritual make light of the warnings and the cautions of God. The unspiritual tend to mock one way or the other. The loving wooings of the Spirit that tries to awaken them from a sure danger that is coming. You know, the Bible says so beautifully, we quoted last week, our, one of our greatest scriptures, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But a verse or two later, 
John begins to explain why so many reject such a great salvation. Why so many say no and ignore such a loving, compassionate invitation to be saved. John writes it like this. This is the verdict. What happened, John? Why aren't more coming? Why aren't they serving Him? Why aren't they giving their all to this great and wonderful Savior that died for them? John says, this is why. This is the verdict. Men love darkness rather than light. Some don't come because they'd rather be doing something else. Some aren't living it because they love something more. Some would rather be their own king than bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So as we remember heaven's grace and we are taught and we are encouraged by the fact of the continual care of our heavenly Father, let's remember that you and I must respond to the wooings of the Spirit. You and I must respond to the clear instruction of God's Word. You and I must have a submitted heart to be led of God and not just call on God when we think about God or when we feel we need God. The unspiritual make light. Make light. But let's not stop there. The overconfident and the proud and the spiritually self-sufficient often shrug off the loving warnings and the compassionate cautions of the Spirit of God. How many remember that night when Jesus warned Peter? He gave Peter a caution, a, a, a merciful warning, and Peter just glanced over it. Peter's response Peter, watch and pray. Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He doesn't want that marriage to make it. He doesn't want that dream to become a reality. He doesn't want that ministry to bless others. He doesn't want that home and those children to grow in righteousness and godliness. Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. Peter, a time that will try your faith is coming soon. And you're not as strong as you think. Spirit might be willing at times, but that flesh is so weak. Peter, the Lord said, pray, son. Peter, take this warning seriously. You don't have to fall. But if you don't respond, and Peter's response, we remember it, we've probably all been guilty of it at one time or another. Don't worry, Jesus. Relax, Lord. Don't get so excited about all this. If you just chill out, we could all have fun and maybe more people, more terrorists would join. Remember what Peter said? I'm the rock, man. Maybe James and John, they're not like me. They fly. Come on, Lord. You know me. I'll die with you, man. I got your back. Others might, but I'll die, Lord. Don't worry about me. I grew up in the church. Don't worry about me. I'm different. Many believers, oh, it's in my notes and I shouldn't say it, so I'm going to say it. Many believers who say that before they got the letter for divorce court. 
They said, I don't need all that. I, I know enough. I don't need to come. My mommy made me come to church. And now I'll do my... They did that before bankruptcy court. They, they had it all together. They didn't need. That was before rehab for the third time. Prisons are full of those. They said, I don't need that. I know enough. I'm strong. Oh, the warnings of God. He warns us in his word. He warns us by his spirit. He warns us by lovingly close calls that are there to get our attention, to wake up and make changes so they don't get worse. The warnings of a spouse, the warnings of a pastor or a parent. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. You know, there's, um, what's that called? Uh, National Geographic. They did a story some years ago on the Roman cities of um, Pompeii back in 79 A.D. or B.C., I'm sorry, B.C., when Mount Vesuvius, that volcano, just wiped out a town. And um, it, it caught the people so quickly and so off guard. Um, the, 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 um, what is it? The, um, the, um, the volcanic ash and those superheated gases, they hit the people so quick that when they excavated it and they dug it out, some people were like statues. It came so quick. And you could see the rich in their baths. You, you could see the shop people. They were like statues. Slaves were out their jobs. Children were at play. Pets frozen in time. Frozen in time. One writer comments, he says, the saddest thing is that all these people didn't have to die. Scientists confirm what the ancient Roman writers recorded that weeks of rumblings and shakings preceded the actual explosion. And even before that, there was this ominous blue um, plume, just the smoke, clearly visible from the mountains, days before the eruptions. If only they would have been able to read and respond to the warnings of Vesuvius. You got an ear to hear, you know there's some rumblings in the world today. If you know your Bible, you know there's some rumblings and warnings in the world today. Christ is coming. We're living in an age of great deception. It's not time to put our Bibles away. It's time to lift them high and live by them. Let them be the law of our homes. Let them be the rule of our church. Let them be the governor of our lives. It is time not to turn off the Holy Spirit, but to stay filled and sensitive to the Spirit in this day of great deception that we will not be swayed away. But we'll hear the rumblings and we'll respond faithfully. Oh, the terrible consequences of ignoring the warnings of God. The Bible teaches us. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 11 and 12. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 11 and 12. The Word of God teaches us. These Old Testament stories that we read. These things happen, not just some old stories to talk about. These things happen to them as examples. And were written down as warnings for us. When we read these Old Testament stories, we don't just throw them off. That's nice for Sunday school. They can draw a little picture. God say, no, these stories are examples. They're illustrations. And they're warnings teaching us. 
on whom the fulfillment of ages has to come. Verse 12. So if Joel thinks he's standing firm, he better be careful that he doesn't fall. You know, point me looking at you. I look right here. You got to look right there. If we think we got it all, remember Peter. Be careful. Oh my. Let us stay humble and sensitive to heaven's warnings, responding to the compassionate cautions in this day of lies and deceptions that are trying to sway entire generations, that are attacking the rule and the heart and the clear standards of God and His Word. For if we'll be people that respond, I want you to know you'll be very glad that you did. If you make up your mind, you're going to have an ear to hear and a heart that receives the Word of the Lord and the direction of the Word. You will be a people that will reap the blessings of those who hear and heed. Throughout the Word of God, we see men and women. We think of David. We think of Moses. We can think of um, um, Joseph and Mary. Joseph was warned, get out of here. Herod's going to kill the baby. He went to Egypt. And if God can warn you and speak to you, He can trust you with that which is valuable to Him. The prophets of old, one of my favorite men, man of faith that responded to the warnings of God, who took seriously the Word of God, who responded with obedience to the cautions of God, was a man by the name of Noah. How many heard about Noah? You know, it was a man of faith. And the Bible says he responded to the warnings of God, and not only saved him, it saved his entire family. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 tells us, this is the great Hall of Faith chapter. Hebrews 11, 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. Remember, we're seeing what's not yet seen. We're seeing in a realm that the unbeliever don't get. We're seeing things. that By faith, Noah, when warned. God warned His servant about what was to come. And it was more than just giving him information. It was moving him to live a certain way in that present moment so when that time came, he was ready. God warns us not just so much we can know what's going to happen in the future, but it can affect and guide our lives in the now. By faith, Hebrews 11 and 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Think about that. Noah, when he read the book, he believed the book, and it changed the way he lived. Noah, when he got in that prayer closet with God and the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart, it caused him to change the rules that he had and the priorities that he had in the way that he lived. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Let us respond to what the Bible says. There it is. By faith, Noah. By faith. You see, faith, a person with faith, their life is changed if you're a man or woman of faith. Faith is not just saying, I believe in the mind. Faith transformed the way I live each and every day. By faith, Noah, when warned, 
Well, God hasn't warned me. Then you haven't read the book. There's a whole lot of warnings about what's going to come. Can you say amen? There's a whole lot of warnings about what the Lord thinks about the way this nation is going and the way the education system is teaching. whole lot of warnings in this book. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely. And the wages of sin. When warned about things not yet seen. And the carnal... And the unbeliever, they mock. We don't see anything. Come on. Look, they legislated it. We're seeing something different. We're seeing something different. We're hearing something different. Not yet seen in holy fear. Faith. Enable him to hear the warning. When he heard the warning, he didn't just go home and say, that was nice. It moved him in holy fear to build something. What are you building because of your faith? What are you building? Because you've heard the warning that Jesus Christ is coming. That He and only He is the way to salvation. That we will all stand before living God one day. Let us respond to what the Bible says is coming. And it's closer now than ever before. Men, have you heard? Men, have you heeded the warning of the Scripture? And the warning of the Spirit speaking to the church in this hour. Has it moved you to build an ark? To build a home? A marriage? A family? A lifestyle of godliness and holiness unto the Lord that will save and shield and rescue your family from the lies that are here and the judgment that is coming. Someone talk to me this morning. Men and women of faith. Hear a different frequency than those that are dead in trespasses and sin. They tell me that there, there's such a thing called a dog whistle. And I blew it right now, you wouldn't hear a thing. But if there was a dog here, he'd start jumping up and down. There's frequencies we can't hear as humans, but that dog can hear. You know, if we are a child of God walking with the Lord, there is a frequency that we can hear. There is a a dimension we can see that the world that is not born again, the world that has not received Christ, they're dead to. They're deaf to. They look at us and they say, you're fanatical. You're a little off. Oh, no. I've heard something, man. I've heard the Word of God. I've heard He's coming back. I've heard He said what He means. He means what He says. I'm going to live right. I'm going to love right, and I'm going to raise my boys right. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. What are you doing? I'm building an ark. I want my family saved. I'm building an ark. I don't want them swept away by the diabolical deceptions of this present hour. frequency of heaven. Are you tuned in to the frequency of the eternal? Remember heaven's grace. God's protection. God's loving caution. Take seriously the warnings, the wooings of the Lord. Stay in tune. Stay in tune. Are you in tune? Are you in tune? Are you in tune? 
know, sometimes something makes us uncomfortable with such a carnal people, this Laodicean age. We just turn it off. I remember that story, the park ranger, true story, out in Yellowstone Park, leading a tour group. He's so pumped up. You know, people get into what they're into, amen? He's so into the flowers and the fauna and talking. He's explaining everything going on. That, that pesky little radio, you know, he's making noise, right? Interrupting, cramped in his style. Got t- turned it off. To go on giving his lecture. There's your spotted owl. There's your cute little raccoon. About 20 minutes into that, finally, huffing and puffing, comes another ranger running with all his. What, what, what happened to your radio? A grizzly's been stalking you for about 12 minutes in the lookout tower, been trying to call down a warning so you could get these people out of danger. Don't tune out to what the Lord is. Listen, I'm going to say it real carefully. It might cramp your style. Don't tune out to what the Lord is saying. It might sometimes convict you. Conviction's good. That means you haven't died yet. Come on, say amen. That means you haven't died yet. No, no, when you're dead, you won't feel a thing. And if you don't feel it when the Word speaks and the Spirit is speaking, it means you're in great danger. You need a resurrection. Come on, say amen. amen. God warns us and God protects us. I'm just trying to say you can be spared. There's some things, life is life, but boy, you can be spared a whole lot of things if you listen to the Word of God and heed the Spirit of God. That's what I'm trying to say. Come on, come on with me. God warrants and protects us by, number one, His Word. His Word is written. Word is very clear. Amen? Nothing dramatic about that. Just, just a little discipline and devotion to read the Word, to love the Word, and to obey the Word. But just obeying the Word of God, the commandments, the principles, the promises, the warnings, that's one way God warrants us lovingly. He watches over me. Not so much by giving me an audible voice, but by the written Word. That is His Son, you know... If you avoid these things, you can really spare a lot of heartache in your life. If you'll do these things, you can tap into much more of my blessing in your life. But His Holy Spirit, because if you're born again, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Amen? And the Bible says it functions like an umpire, like a spirit. It says, let the peace of God rule or govern in your hearts. And the Holy Spirit in there. If I'm walking in the right way, there's a peace. If all of a sudden I start drifting from that past, doing things that the Holy Spirit's not pleased with, there's a conviction. There's the opposite of peace. What's the outline? There's, a, there's a, something wrong. And it's the, oh, what's wrong? oh, something not right. Smoke alarm going off, Lord. You know, a lot of times we know what it is. We copped an attitude or, you know, we got sharp with someone. And we just want to slide it over like it didn't happen. And the Holy Spirit says, hang on. You make that right. You know, sometimes it's not always dramatic. But the thing is, if I tune out the little things, after a while I'm going to tune out everything. If I start, it's not so much what, but who I'm tuning out to. The Holy Spirit. It's within you if you're a believer. You've got the Holy Spirit. Amen? Within you. And that's one of the greatest warnings. You know that. Amen? Times you're tossing and turning. What's wrong, Lord? What's wrong? Look out. This meeting is coming up. Be on alert. Really? All right, Lord, I'll be on alert. I didn't think there was anything to be alert about. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You, you ever been there? You walk into a situation, everything's good. You look at someone, they're dressed nice and fine, and all of a sudden, something, something, you feel like you're getting ill. What's that? Holy Spirit. 
all right, better be on my guard. Good thing you warned me, Lord, because I would have had my guard down. I didn't think this was a, you know. I mean, there's sometimes you drive certain parts of town, you lock the doors, you got your alarm up. You know what I mean? You got to be dumb not to. But other times, wow, Lord, I wouldn't have guessed. Thank God for the Spirit. Circumstances, he opens and closes doors. When the Lord closed the door, let's not try to dynamite the thing because I want to go down that road. Let's realize, Lord, you know better than me. That you, mu- you know what's better. Maybe it's not the right time, all right? Maybe it's just not, you know, but I know one thing. If the Lord, if you're closing the door, then I have to submit to that and say, well, Lord, you know best. I'm just, you know, where's the door? Circumstances. Human instruments. Again, he's not going to send an angel to talk to you usually. That's not the way he works. But he'll speak to you through your parents. He'll speak to you through your pastor. He'll speak to you through your brothers and sisters in the Lord, your spouse. He'll wisdom. Multiple counselors. There's wisdom in that. And God gives us one another as a safeguard. Amen? You know, sometimes it's brother. Hey, man, why are you looking at that girl? I'm not judging you, but I'm just telling you, man, don't look good from this angle. Right? That's all. Nothing embarrassing. That's love. That's just love. Then if the man's honest, he gets back there in his devotional time, and the Holy Spirit says, you know he's telling you the truth. So again, God warns us. God protects us. Let's go to the next slide. I'm going to finish up. Number two, remember heaven's perspective. Heaven's perspective. Mm. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. A uh, young man gets up and he sees the enemies all around him. And, and the prophet says, don't be afraid. What do you mean, don't be afraid? Man, we surrounded. <laughs> this thing's over. What do you don't be afraid? Don't be afraid. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Oh, my goodness. He didn't catch it yet. His spiritual eyes didn't quite perceive it yet. He's still walking by, by, the, by sight and not by faith. Amen? But, but the second thing when I'm surrounded is I've got to get heaven's perspective. Sometimes God says, climb up a little higher and by faith see the situation from my vantage point. You think you're surrounded. You think there's no way out. I've got everything under control. In fact, there's more with you than there is with them because greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. And if I be for you, none of these forces can be against you. So climb up and get my perspective and recognize that I am in control and you are in my care. Isaiah 6, 1 through 6. In the year King Uzziah died, the prophet said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It was a year where this great king that had served for 50 some odd years was dead. There was upheaval in the kingdom. It was unsettling time of transition, an unforeseen future, not knowing what lies ahead. But in the midst of it all, God gives the prophet a vision. He says, Prophet Isaiah, things down here might look bad, but I want you to get the upward view. 
you and see that I am still on my throne and you are still in my care. I am ruling and I am reigning. I know down here it looks bad, but look up and get a better view. I know what you're hearing down here doesn't sound good, but tune your ear on the frequency of my word and you'll hear a better promise and a better... In the year King Uzziah died, the prophet said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, ruling and reigning. People were afraid. People were giving up. But I got the upward view and I realized there's more with us than there is with them. Blessed be His name. Heaven's perspective. Hallelujah. Oh, my, 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 my. Heaven's perspective. What a thought. What a thought. Heaven's perspective. When I'm in those times, it's so easy to get fixated on what I see in the natural. Oh, my. But God says, look up and fear not. Because when you get my view, you'll see I'm still on the throne. And you're still in my care. And greater is he that's within you than he that's in my world. When things on earth look discouraging, get the upward look. Everything's wonderful. When things on the earth sound like they're getting worse and worse, tune in to the frequency of thus saith the Lord. And there is a word that will strengthen your heart and give peace to your mind. It's a beautiful thought. It's a beautiful thought. When earthly foundations seem to be shaking and things that at one time were sure and not they're so sure, now they're not. God says, look to me and remember, I'm still on the throne. So fear not. But look to me, fear not. Put your trust in me. Fear not and know that I am your heavenly Father and you are in the care of my compassionate yet mighty right arm. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted in the nations and in the earth and in your life. You might be surrounded in the natural, but God says, I got everything taken care of. Lift up your eyes and behold, your redemption draws nigh. Lift up the eye of faith and see the Lord high and lift it up, smiling on you, caring for you, guiding you and protecting you. But thou, O Lord, David said, are a shield round about me. Glory and lifter. Heaven's grace, heaven's perspective, and how heaven's prayer. Heaven's prayer. One of the ways, one of the ways we have to pray for our kids and our grandkids, God, help them to see, help them to have a real personal encounter. You see, point number two, he was telling them, and it was good, but I can tell you all I want, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. If you don't see him, you'll be afraid. I can tell you all I want. Don't be afraid. Fear not. But if you don't get your own vision of Jesus, if your faith, it's, it's, you know, it's, you can't. You can't talk them into it. It's got to be a personal thing they experience. You know, it's good to point them that way. But sooner or later, you've got to see. But once they see, look out. Then it's up to us to get out of their way because we might quench faith when God starts moving. Hallelujah. God wants us to see invisible realities. It's a reality. It's just invisible. And the prayer here was a prayer of vision, understanding, perception, and recognition. I'm speeding it up, but stay with me and don't miss it. Elisha prays that God would open the eyes of his young servant. The servant was living by sight, not by faith. 
Faith enables us to see the hand of God and hear the voice of God. To recognize the rule of God. To sense and be sure of the presence of God in our situations. That's what faith does. Faith gives me a knowledge. Faith gives me an assurance. It calms fears. It strengthens hearts. The young servant needed to learn this lesson. If he was going to go on and serve God and serve Elisha, this would not be the last time that they had to fight the fight of faith and go through a trial. And he had to learn how to trust God. And that's why God brings us through times of trying. He wants to teach us to trust Him. He takes us through things so we'll learn how to stand on that Word and believe the promise and walk as men and women that are seeing the invisible, hearing what is humanly inaudible. Faith enables us to see the invisible realities, to trust and stay strong. Heaven's prayer was not for help, but for vision. Wasn't for escape, but for understanding and perception. Heaven's first prayer in the story, we don't cover the next one, wasn't for the removal of the threat. Notice that. But it was for spiritual vision to see God was greater than the threat and still in control despite of the threat. Heaven's prayer is that you and I would see and really perceive and recognize the spiritual realities of being a son or daughter of the living God. Someone said, what about those angels? What about those angels? Well, what about those angels? Hebrews 1 and 14, what about those angels? Hallelujah. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Anybody inheriting salvation? Woo! I'm going to close with a story. Billy Graham wrote a book many years ago about angels. And in the story, he writes about John Patton, pioneer missionary to the New Hybrids Islands. And it was a thrilling story about the protection of God in their early ministry there. One night, brother and sister Patton were alone and hostile natives surrounded their mission. The intent was to burn them out and kill them. And brother and sister Patton just prayed all through the night. It was a terror-filled night, and they just cried out to God for deliverance. And when daylight came, they were amazed to see that unaccounted for the attackers had left. And they praised God for deliverance. About a year later, God worked in the heart of the chief, and the chief of the tribe got saved and came to Jesus. And so as Mr. Patton was talking with the chief, he asked the chief what had kept them that night from burning down the house and killing them. The chief actually looked at him with quite a surprised look in his face. And he said, well, who were all those men with you? And the missionary said, well, there there weren't any men. It was just me and my wife. And the chief said, no, no, no. We had seen many men standing guard. Hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Then Mr. Patton realized God indeed has sent his angels to protect them. Oh my. And just because we can't see it don't mean it's not there. But when we're sons and daughters of God, we can see some invisible realities by faith. And we can know God is taking care of us 
God is in complete control over us and we can let that strengthen our hearts and give rest to our minds and we could walk on knowing our God is going to take good care of us. Can you say amen? This is how we close. Number one, if God is speaking to you or loving caution, some kind of a warning, not here to embarrass anyone. We don't do that. But take seriously what God is speaking to you. Don't shrug it off. Respond to it. God's full of mercy. Respond to it. Don't regret down the road that you didn't respond to what God's speaking to you. He's a loving Father and He wants your best. If God is speaking to your heart, if He's speaking, you respond to God. He loves you too much just to let you respond. Secondly, if, 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 if things are good, before you leave, spend a minute or so and let's pray for others who need to see. Others that are spiritually blinded. Maybe they're going down the wrong path and we need God to open their eyes. That God maybe would awaken the hearts that's grown a bit calloused and a bit cool. And then after that, if you've done that and you need prayer, Come and we'll pray with you. And if you need a healing, if you need just refreshing, if you need to, but but first, there's there no point in us acting like you know we're wild Pentecostals if we don't bring it down to the therefore, amen. And, and God, God says, appreciate my warning, but don't poo-poo my warning. Give thanks for my warnings, but when I warn you, don't shrug them off. Respond to them. I'm loving and I'm full of compassion towards I'm just trying to help you. But if you're doing good, that's fine. Can we pray for others? I'm sure I got people in my family, people, they need their eyes open. They have, you know, it didn't start that way, but just little by little, little compromise by little compromise. God, they need their eyes open. Their hearts have just grown cold to God. And it wasn't always like that. And so can you give a minute or so for that? We're here today because we heeded the warnings of God. I know we have. Come on, say amen. Hey, there might have been times some of us backslid and the devil said just never go back. And God in his compassion gave us a, come on back. You know what I mean? We're here today because of the goodness and compassion, the warnings of the Lord. Let's pray that God will do the same to others. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for your great compassion towards us. Father God, I want to thank you for your consistent care and protection. I know, Lord, through my life, you've kept me from, I was a baby on to this present hour. You protected me. You've bailed me out of things many a times. I know the enemy trying to do me bad. And Lord, your mercy was there. Your protection was there many times, Lord. When I wasn't where I should have been and I was going down the wrong path, Lord, you threw up a roadblock of mercy and kept me, Lord, from I don't know what, but it would have been so regretful. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your constant care and protection. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to stay tender and alert and responsive to your warnings. Whether we're reading them in the Word or we're just driving along and we just hear the voice of the Spirit or we hear a message, Lord, help us to have an ear to hear. And Father, help us when it comes to facing trials in the faith. To see you high and lifted up. That even when things in the natural look, look, look dangerous and look frightful, but Lord, 
You'll help us to have a faith that sees Jesus ruling and reigning. That sees Jesus in complete control so we can trust and we can rest. Father, give us a hearing ear. And now, Lord, you know every person here, every need, every specific. Speak to us, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us. Move upon our hearts. Do something special. Do something special. Do something special and lasting during this altar time. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's pray, let's pray for it. Let's worship, let's pray, let's seek God. If you need to respond, respond. If it's for another one, lift them up, lift them up that God would open their eyes. Let's seek the Lord.